Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show podcast. This is episode 104, and I am Cornholio. Tonight on the show, we welcome an amazing, amazing guest. She is the one and only Bo Queen. Hello, hello. She is an amazing Guardian who is a Destiny 2 content creator on Twitch with a passion for entertaining and tearing it up with her mighty and faithful Bo. She is a Twitch affiliate, proud Masanko clan member, and she is obsessed with all things Destiny, Apex, and maybe Advanced GG. We're going to learn much more about that, and we're going to invite Morgan on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. So I hope you all are ready. Morgan, how are you? Doing well today, and I hope you and everyone joining us is doing well as well. Very excited to be here. It's such an exciting time to have you here. And on such a beautiful evening, we have the world's first Destiny King's Fall raid that just happened. We have an entire new season of content that we are enjoying in Destiny. So much fun stuff going on. And, and I'm really excited is. to dive into all of that with you on the show tonight. Yes. But first... You know, we're not about the, the game only. We're also about the Guardian. And tonight we're going to invite Morgan on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. Morgan, I hope you're ready. I am so ready. Born ready. The first question we have for you is something we ask pretty much everyone. And that is, how did your destiny journey begin? Well, I would definitely see a lot about the game in the past. So that all started, of course, with D1. Um, I did take a little bit of a dive into Destiny 1. I didn't get to play as much of as, as I'd hoped because D2 was right around the corner. Um, so I did start out with Destiny 1 with some friends, and I managed to um, actually get into Destiny 2 with the alpha um the alpha testing and i like to think of that as my start to the game um you know everyone prides themselves in being you know the d1 vanilla um ogs but um you know i wasn't into all of it 
quite yet. So I start my journey as a D2 vanilla vet. I love that. Okay, so now what was the first expansion that you played in Destiny? Um, so I think honestly, when I bought the game, um, the original Destiny, it was, um, you know, just kind of the base game. I, I didn't put too much investment into it because, again, D2 was right around the corner and I didn't realize just how much of a passion I would grow for the game through D2. And so I just went full send into Destiny 2 since I missed so much in D1. Um, but I did manage to read up on lore and kind of learn what I was playing to see kind of what I had missed and what everyone was building off of from D1 and taking all of that into D2 now. I, I'd like to feel like it almost feels like I did get that D1 experience. Um, as helpful as all of my friends have been with explaining everything and getting me through certain things, I feel like I've honestly been there since the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being here now where it it feels like we're almost at the end right we're almost yeah, at we have like a dark end saga. game that we finally can see have you have you thought you would get to a point where you've played a game for this long as long as you played destiny no not 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 in a million years because the gaming industry is constantly a turn and burn of what the next biggest game is and I didn't think, you know, in the way that that moves, that there would be a game that just kind of plants their feet in the ground and says, this is it, we're here to stay. And that's exactly what they've done. And what we heard from the showcase is they plan to keep it moving, you know, for at least the next 10 years or so. They don't have any plans of stopping. So I'm really excited to see where they continue to go and where they take us. Absolutely. I never imagined that the game would be around for this long. Like I, I, I heard that they were going to have somewhat of a 10 year plan, uh, pre Activision days. Right. But I never really imagined that we would get here where yeah. we have a game that's like thriving. It's right up there with all these other mega video games like Fortnite and, and fall guys. And we're going to touch on some, some partnerships that are happening, some collaborations between Bungie and a few other fun uh, gaming companies that we mentioned yeah they're doing um they're doing a lot to get themselves um you know partnered up with other games it's really exciting to see the destiny content show up in other places in the gaming world i've been dying to ask you this you're the bow queen i i gotta know how do you grow to love bows and what makes you the bow queen well any game I i've noticed in the past that's had bows in it I have always gravitated towards them. My first love of bows was the Nightingale bow in Skyrim. Just if I could copy and paste that into Destiny, then it would be over <laughs> for everyone, PvE and PvP alike. The, uh, you know, even in Call of Duty, I remember Black Ops 3, I think, is the first game that they introduced the bow in, um, the combat bow as a, um, as kind of your special ability. And so um, I, I heard a lot of negative negativity or negative um, feedback when it came to Black Ops 3, but I still, you know, gave it the try with the bow, found out that I was pretty decent with it there. Um, and the minute that I heard that they were throwing them into Destiny, the second they put the blue one in your hand, it, it was over. I, I never looked back. I've got clips 
for Destiny that span back all the way the three years ago, three and a half years ago that they put the bows in the game. And yeah, I've never looked back. It's just very, it's a fun aspect for me to bring a bow to a gunfight and still be able to keep up with, you know, guns that take ammunition. Meanwhile, here I am with a with two sticks and a dream, <laughs> just hoping to hit that shot. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to just kind of be that outlier in what people expect in the game. So I absolutely love your analogy. Yeah. That's so epic. <laughs> yes. That's so great. You're bringing a bow to a gunfight. That's so, yes. so awesome. Now, I'm curious. How many bow kills does Morgan actually have with something like Tiku's or Trinity Ghoul? So it's been a long time since I've actually used any exotic bows, believe it or not. Um, I would say out of the two, I probably have more kills on the Tiku's simply because of the painting effect and um the multi kills you can get with it but um i honestly have i i don't know if it's a complex i've given myself but i've kind of stayed away from exotic bows i've found that with the right role on um legendary bows they can usually stack up to if not outplay exotic bows in most situations um i find myself against monarch all the time and as a bow user, I will say I, I do not denounce anyone that uses it. However, it, it's it's there are better, I promise. <laughs> um, but it's I, I usually go for legendary bows, believe it or not. That's really interesting. Now, which one is your go to? Um, I've honestly found that the wolf tone feels really good. Um, I already had a role that I maxed out at 10,000 crucible kills and vaulted it. That was kind of a little mini goal I set for myself, um, to get it done before the newest expansion last season. And, um, once I vaulted that one, I managed to get um, I think I'm on my third 10k bow now. I went from a wolf tone. Um, I believe I believe they've actually they've possibly all been wolf tones except oh no no no. The strident whistle is the other one. Um the strike bow that they put out for this past season was very, very good. Um, but wolf tone and strident, those are my two. And I have actually found myself back on wolf tone for my third bow. Um just can't get over the way it feels it's amazing um especially being a combat bow um that quick draw time i believe mine sits at a 612 um i prefer if i can get a 540 but 612 has been really easy to work with okay i'm gonna sound very uneducated right now <laughs> 620 54 please explain i i'm sure i'm sure many guardians will wonder what that is all ah, about the draw times for the longest time when I was looking at the draw times, you know how when you compare your stats, it has like a green arrow up or a red arrow down if it lowers or raises your stats. With the draw time, it got kind of confusing because it would put the red arrow and going down in the beginning when they first had bows, it would make it seem like that's a bad thing to increase your draw time or decrease your draw time. But looking into it, it makes sense. The lower the draw time, the quicker the bow. So once I figured that out, after, you know, it was pretty clear the way that they had it set up, but I didn't realize that. But once I figured that out, anytime, typically, if you have a low draw time, you can usually play that into whatever perks you have. So even though you may not have the best perks, so long as you shoot quickly, you can still end up cleaning up someone else's kill or getting your own. 
So on the topic of perks, what kind of perks are you specifically looking for when you're crafting that perfect bow for PvE and then PvP? Any of your outward damage perks, um, clearly Archer's Tempo is great if you can get it on a bow. Um, it it just helps with the overall stability and handling of the bow. Um, and then, of course, that plays into your draw time, you know, once you properly proc those um, perks. But I've noticed that on the Arc 3.0 change, the Dragonfly with a Dragonfly spec is phenomenal. The multi-kills that you can chain off of that, especially if you, for example, if you're laning with a team and you're on their spawn and you see them spawning, if you get enough of them weak, the minute you hit a headshot, all of them are dead. So if you and someone else are team shooting, I can chain up to three kills. Um, I've never gotten more than three, I don't think, but um, you can chain off of, you know, your team's shooting and um, chain off a lot of really cool kills. That's so cool i didn't even consider that yes if you throw the dragonfly spec on it widens the range of how far it can chain and it's it's disgusting <laughs> to say the least you're fighting let's say i don't know war priest right a lot of people yes. are probably doing the king's fall raid right about now mm -hmm. um i would think is a bow a viable option for something like that I mean, I haven't personally ran it with a bow yet. Um, I went in with an open mind and kind of let them guide me as to what's best to use, for, you know, just to get the clear done. But I'm interested to go back through with the bow and, you know, see how that can work out. Um, especially, I think it was because my heavy weapon was under light, so I kept wondering why I was so squishy in the raid, and then I found out that I needed to infuse. Um, but I would love to run back through again with a bow. Um, I know um, quite a few other players in the community that they also main bows and they do a lot of high mans and low mans with bows. And so it is definitely possible, but I would love to finally take my chance to actually do that. That would be such a fun challenge. Oh, yeah. It, running triple bows. That, that would be, be super fun. That would be pretty epic. Now, I'm curious in terms of your gameplay how do you become a bow queen and what would you say are some other games that you've played that inspired you with bows have you played something like tomb raider for example it has been such a long time since i have played tomb raider but yes that is definitely in my past repertoire of um bow involved games um the title of Bow Queen was not self-proclaimed. I will put that out there. That is what my community has done. They came up with the name and gave me some shoes to fill. Um, so it's been a constant journey to fill those shoes, um, figuratively speaking. Um, so I'm just constantly on the grind for um, improving on my situational awarenesses, um, my playing my cover in PvP situations, definitely using the map to your advantage. Um, it's taken a lot to get to where I'm at, just because I, I always felt like since I'm on PC but still play controller, that that, you know, to some that may seem like, you know, a hindrance or, well, why are you still playing on controller? But I actually play on 20 sensitivity on a PS5 DualSense controller. It just feels great. 
in from my hand size. And I play on 20 sensitivity, so it's the highest you can play. Um, I had a friend in the past tell me to try it, and I've never looked back. It almost makes me feel like an MNK player. Um, and I play inverted. My up is down and my down is up. And that never really translated well with MNK for me. Um, so that has just always been my weird little play style. <laughs> that is so, so epic. I think you're like the first person that I've met who's like really, really serious about bows. Yeah, it's um, it's it is just an interesting aspect of the game. I mean, you've got a game that's just riddled with, you know, guns that you need to pick up bullets for and you're constantly having to reload. And, you know, I feel like those things can hold you back in certain fights. And with a bow, you really only just have to pull the trigger and you're reloaded again. It's it's just it's a quick, snappy game style, and it's just kind of fit with that stealthy player that I've tried to be in the game. That's really, really cool. So, you know, we, we did a little thing earlier today. We asked our community to share some questions that they have for you. Quite and interesting questions I saw. We had some really good ones. We had some mm -hmm. really good ones. I think we're going to let the community use their voice to get their questions answered. Pick my brain a little bit. We're going to have some fun. So bipartisan, and I'm sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. He asks, how many kills does Morgan have on Tiku and or Trinity Ghoul? Such a, a, a sad question for me because I didn't get as many as I probably could. I don't even know. I guess there's probably a place I could look that up online because I don't actually have one old to check. Um, I don't know that I had the trackers active on them. Um, and a lot of the trackers in the game now, they only track from season 12 on. So the numbers could be, you know, they're definitely more than what it shows on there. So um, I, I think season 12 may have been the introduction of bows and when they first came into play if i'm not mistaken if not then then call me wrong but i i when i check my trackers they all say they only track from season 12 so it's only so accurate you don't want to know what mine is it's probably in single digits hey but i mean like you said there's there are other options out there so well you know what it is i find for me personally i find the bows are a little bit too slow and maybe there's a way to handle that. Maybe there's a solution to that. But I found for me, I, I'm not able to get enough shots in. And I feel like, especially with endgame activities, right? Um, it's harder for me to gather enough bullets to really make a dent in, in the ads and acolytes and knights and all that. That's also been the other deterrent for me with the exotic bows is their draw times are fixed. So there's no way to really influence your draw time. I mean, you could use Oath Keepers on Hunter and, you know, that gives you an infinite draw time, but it, it doesn't really help with the speed of your shot. So earlier where we were discussing um, draw times, that's why I enjoy the Legendary Bow so much as you get that chance to roll for that faster bow. Um, so for me, you know, going into a gunfight typically you know my bow's already two tapping as it is so as long as i hit my two shots they're dead 
And with a quicker draw time, that's, you know, far more possible than one could find with a fixed exotic bow that can only shoot so fast. Fair enough. And Morgan, we have a question from our mod, Justin McCarthy. Thank you for your question. We love Justin around these parts. If you could create your own bow, what would you name it? And what would the exotic perk be? I love that. Goodness. Oh, God. I've never actually thought of a name in that way. Um, maybe it would be cool to have it called the nameless or something like that. And um, that way you could play the bow in your own way and sort of build your own name for that bow. Kind of how we all build our guardians and name our guardians. Um, you could call the gun the nameless and then kind of fulfill it to however you want to build your bow and give it its name. Um, as far as an exotic perk, um, so clearly it would be something viable in PvP. Um, we see a lot of burn damage perks with bows. Um, for example, Monarch's Poison. Um, you see the Tiku's with its chain. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the um, Trinity Ghoul with the chaining arc. And then, of course, the Tiku's has the multiple shots, which is pretty cool. I almost feel like it would be cool to have a crossbow in the game instead of a regular bow. I think that's what it would be. Um, so it would be a whole different archetype of bow. It may, it, it could be slower to shoot, but I've always thought a crossbow would be really fun. Um, especially when they added the multi arrows to the Tikus. I always pictured that in like a crossbow instead. Um, I feel like, Maybe even since I find myself shooting my teammates a lot, I feel like it would be really cool to have an intrinsic perk that if you accidentally hit a teammate, that it partially heals them, kind of like a, uh, you know, a restorative perk, since they took away the, you know, regeneration for hunters with the solar. Um, I feel like that would be really cool and give hunters a new aspect of almost being that um, healer player in a way. And if you accidentally hit your teammate, it gives them a little bit of a health boost, almost like picking up an orb or something. I think that would be really cool. That's a really great answer. I love that. Yes. And I'm, I'm also very excited because I saw, um, actually, I, you know what, I, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, so I won't say it, but there's, there's supposedly other cool bows coming to the game. I'm really excited to explore those. I would love personally to see a bow be like a really deadly weapon that's like the staple. The meta to, to for once. Things up. The meta. The meta. That's that's I would the love word. a bow meta. I honestly kind of see us maybe shifting into that because I've found I don't know that it's specifically because of me, but a lot of my friends will tell me in a game, like it, we've made a game out of it almost, um, a little mini game, if you will. We load into a match and we notice, you know, maybe there's a bow user or two, but by the end of the match, there's like four bow users, five bow users. People throw bows on mid-match the minute they start dying to them. And it's just really exciting to watch more and more bows come out. And it's like, yeah, you can get a little frustrated, you know, kind of getting a little taste of your own medicine. But it really is like kind of eye opening to see just how many people throw them on mid-match now. It's super cool. Love that. And another question from our Twitter community member. Thank you so much for your question, Buds. Besides the bow. What's your favorite go-to weapon and why? 
I would say hand cannons. I miss the way that certain hand cannons felt in the game. Um, I unfortunately haven't gotten a really good role on any of the recent hand cannons. Um, and no, not not for the bow swapping. I, I never was a bow swapper with the hand cannons. Um, but I feel like with the right role, right, hand cannon, I mean, it is deadly. You see it in Crucible all the time. And I just, I used to love the way, like, the NF stability felt. It was really cool with the Not Forgotten, how that gun felt. And even the Dire Promise. So if I were to ever get a good roll for those, I would have to say hand cannons. They were my go-to before bows. Now, have you gotten the hand cannon from the Vault of Glass, the Fatebringer? No, I have not. You're actually going to probably laugh when I say I have not had the chance to do Vault of Glass yet. What? You've not? No, I've never done it. And so with King's Fall... That's so interesting. I can't believe you have not done Bog. Yeah, I haven't gotten to do any of the D1s, <laughs> D1 raids uh, that have been brought over to D2. Um, but now that I have, you know, touched my toes into King's Fall and I see that I have a lot of people around me that know how to guide me through it, I would love a chance at Vault of Glass and to see it for the first time. Such an awesome raid. And it's so great for them to bring it back into Destiny 2. To see the side-by-sides of the graphic improvements, it's just beautiful the way that they've done it. it. They look, the shadings, all of the shadowing, the lighting, it's just beautiful. It's the same thing with King's Fall, you know, playing that and reminiscing on how it was back in the day, playing in 30 frames, and now it's, the game flies. It, it's such a different experience. Like, even being torn... You know, and um, in Destiny 1, I would try to avoid being torn and I would oftentimes avoid doing the jumping puzzles. And I feel like partially it's because of those frames, because now I can do this very, I don't want to say flawlessly, like, you know, I still take a little bit longer than some other people might with the jumping puzzles. There's just puzzles. a different fluidity to it now. Right, but there's there's a whole different feel to it. And it's so, so, so good. It was honestly equally as exciting for me just hearing the people I was playing with the minute we loaded in. They were talking about the chills they felt, the the, the whole flashback they were having, you know, just the nostalgia there. And it was equally as exciting for me to hear how excited they were since I didn't get to experience that. It almost, you know, drove my excitement to, you know, their levels. It was very fun to hear how excited they were. Well, we're definitely going to have to get get some Vault of Glass in pretty soon. That would be nice. Love to get you through it, and um, I'm sure you're going to really enjoy the raid. And there's some really cool exotics you can get from that raid as well. You can get the Vex Mythoclast, really, really deadly weapon. My sworn enemy, one. yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, lots of really cool things to to get in that raid. If you enjoy scout rifles vision of confluence another excellent weapon i used I to love the scout rifles yeah i used yeah. to use one from um trials of the nine i forget what it's called i think it's the judgment if i'm not mistaken no that might be the pulse is it the summoner or is that um let me check the purpose that's what it is <laughs> that's the auto rifle 
Yeah. So the purpose was the, the purpose. There we then. go. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. You know, I I did not play a whole lot of trials. I don't know about you, but I was always more of a PVE player. I um used to be very 50-50 because I've always have been very self-critical about um that people say that numbers don't matter, but if you see a low KD and it's like a consistently low one, then you know, you do feel a certain kind of way about how you might be playing in the game and I had always just been you know, the person that was hanging out with her friends, just kind of chilling in the game and never really worried about that. Um, and then getting into D2 and actually seeing there's a game that I can stay, you know, pretty positive in. Because um, back then, you know, I was younger playing against a bunch of, you know, adults and people that were playing like COD and all that stuff. And then, you know, you had kids that were just getting off school, cutting on the game. That was me, you know, just coming home and kind of taking it casually. Um but then to actually see yourself kind of be able to get up in your numbers a little bit with your KD, it's very um, self-proving and it feels nice <laughs> in a way without trying to sound vain. But um, I've never really been like that best person in the game. Um, and I always tell people that I'm like, if you're here for anything, you're here for the laughs because <laughs> you're probably going to see me die quite a few times. Um, but it's been really enjoyable to kind of watch the growth and to kind of actually feel confident that I'm actually growing in that way. You know, on, on a slightly different topic, we had a question from one of our community members and he wants to know at what point when playing destiny one or two, did you think to yourself, this is it, this is the game for me. And I absolutely love playing it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's it had to be for me um, just the tightnesses that I formed with certain people over the course of all of this. Um, there was a point where I had actually gotten injured at work and I ended up missing about four months of work because um, I broke my foot on the job. So that kind of put me out of commission. And I all of a sudden found myself with all of this free time on my hands and you know, my friends had told me, you don't need all this special equipment to start streaming. Like if, if I send you this PlayStation camera, like, would you please stream? Um, and I was like, I don't know. Cause I had spent so long in other people's communities. Like this is where I spent a lot of my time, um, mostly watching like primal streamers. So like ZK mushroom, pure chill frost. I mostly watched ZK and pure because they were the last, um, console players at the time when everyone was switch- switching over to PC. And they were to me kind of like the heroes of the game. Cause they were still playing as well as they did on PlayStation against all these PC people. And so I was like, okay, well it is doable. And so once I hit that four month span, I finally just, you know, I said, if you want to send the camera, you don't have to, but I will try it. And, um, it just kind of, hook it from there um with destiny to uh, destiny as well um not just the streaming but once i saw how supportive the people i had met had been 
and kind of just that camaraderie we built and being able to come together every day um, like that, it just kind of nailed it down for me. Like, hey, this is, I think this is the game I belong in. Um, it was just the most welcoming feeling. And, you know, I love how you were able to carve your own space in the community just from being yourself and creating content that you love not having to specifically cater to any one specific group and that that's I, really cool i feel like there's a um there's a certain limit that one puts on themselves when they try to and honestly you put more energy into trying too hard to be something that you're not and um i feel like that's part of my motivation for not using the camera um i do feel like it just sort of you f you set certain standards that you don't necessarily have to meet, but you see them that way because you see other people doing it. Um, and I just like to keep it as carefree as possible. And I hate to say it, but I like to keep the game the game. Um, a lot of people forget how, I mean, people never forget how truly stressful life can be, but people do forget it's almost like taking your stress with you to work. It ends up making work miserable for you. Same thing in the game. If you if you take that into like the game should be your safe space, in my opinion, like your kind of getaway from everything. And if you make it too much of a weight in your life, then you will not enjoy it. As we see a lot in the discussions on Twitter, you know, it's it is healthy to take a step back and be like, okay, this is a game. And yes, while I do enjoy it and spend a lot of my time in it, it's simply at the end of the day, it is a game to come to your friends and be able to enjoy a game with your friends. So you may hear me and my friends molding in a game, maybe because we're losing, but it's, it's truly just the passion of being able to have fun with your friends. Like at the end of the day, I have people tell me, I don't know if I want to play or not. But then the moment we mentioned, well, we, there's five of us. You sure you don't want to just get in with some friends? And that at that moment, they're like, you know what? Yes, I do want to play. Um, so that's the kind of the way I want to keep it is just a place where people can come and hang out, de-stress and not be judged for the type of life they're living or the day they're having. You know, everyone's cards are different that they're dealt. And who am I to judge your hand? You know, it's really interesting you mentioned the the concept of not really forcing yourself to have, let's say, a camera, right? Because for me, when we started the podcast, I would say I never even thought about Twitch as a platform, right? right? For me, it was, let's do a podcast. Let's tell people stories in audio. And I recall when I was still trying to figure out something like, Skype. We we were using Skype at, the, at that point. Oh yeah. Uh, it 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 was definitely an interesting seven or eight episodes. I could imagine. <laughs> uh, very much piecing things together. Um, and then after fifty episodes, we were like, "All right, everybody wants us to be on Twitch, so I almost have this obligation to, you know, oblige to what our audience wants." And and I try to bring the best experience. Still figuring out the video part. You know, right, I got really right. nice graphics made. It not me, graphic designer, beautiful job. But I still feel like doing it for now fifty episodes on Twitch 
I still don't really feel fully comfortable with it as a platform. I feel like that is a challenge that, you know, we were talking about earlier pre-show, um, you know, how to fill that space with something entertaining when you don't have a camera, because in the end it is, you know, an entertaining focal point for people to see. Um, and it, it is quite a challenge to put something behind you, you know, to back the audio that you have that's equally as entertaining. Um, so I'm I'm kind of excited to see how you overcome that because I might take some tips from you on that. <laughs> All I have is my gameplay. <laughs> I'll tell you I'll tell you a little secret. I actually have a a camera that I bought. I have okay. a Canon M50. Nice. But adding a layer of also figuring out how do I create a good experience for people with video too and just figuring out how how do I get your video in the feed it it does kind of make me giggle inside and sometimes outwardly depending on the topic but when someone says that things like this are easy and that anyone can do it i, I just i challenge anyone to just do it and see how easy you think it is because you literally get, I think with most investments, not all investments, because some can be bad, but I think with most investments, you, you tend to get out of what, you know, out of it, what you put into it. And it is truly not only a financial investment, but your time, your patience, it, it is a very good test of patience, um, especially with computers being the way they are. The minute one thing doesn't update or resets, it flips a whole bunch of settings for you. And it's just, it's always like a constant, oh God, what do I have to reset today? Or, you know, it's just, it's not as easy as it looks. There's a lot that goes into it. So you, you mentioned some really interesting um, content creators who, you know, you had followed in the space. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious, who are the content creators who inspired you with, what you do now in destiny with your content that is um one of my favorite questions um as i mentioned before i spent a lot of time before actually deciding to do any sort of content um you know watching a lot of my favorite players um a lot of them being within primal was the first like full clan that i was actually watching um they're just a group of really, really down to earth people. And they, during a time where I had a lot of time on my hands, were very welcoming to have me in there pretty much for their entire streams, most days, pretty much any and every day. Um, and just kind of watching them take this thing they're good at and making it their own and watching their growth. Um, even people like Glad, for example, um, even though he's a way, way larger player on the platform, I've had the chance and the honor to be, you know, become sort of like we have our own little friendship, even though we've never met. The minute I'll pop into chat and instantly it's just like, hey, Morgan, what's up? Um, people, th those are some of the the biggest names for me. And um, even the people that I met in some of these chats, like... Um, certain members that are in Masenko with me now um, I knew and had met and were some of my first Twitch friends when I actually made a Twitch account. And to this day, watching them grow, um, it, it was a motivator. And I had seen, you know, just some of my friends had found this clan of great people. And you, when, when in life you see someone doing something successfully and 
you want to learn how to be like that, you try to ask, you know, like, what are some of the things you're doing that could, you know, help me grow? And, you know, you just to absorb all of that feedback, but make it your own, you know, it's kind of like writing a paper, you, you know, you want to take great ideas from other places, but you do want to portray them in your own way. And that's what I've tried to do is kind of sit back and be an observer and see like, well, how are they doing this? And how are they getting where they want to be? And it's been very helpful. Um, getting to kind of bounce feedback off of people I'd honored to call friends now in the community. And would you say that Vlad was that figure for you? Was he your source of inspiration? As far, I would say that both of them served a different vision for me. So for Glad being up there, it would it, it, he was the motivator for me to not really hold back, um, tastefully speaking, like just be yourself and don't be afraid to speak your mind. I think that's the biggest thing that I've ever taken away from him is he's truly just himself in everything he does. Um, and then as far as on the creation side, um, I went from, you know, hanging out in primal streams and then eventually becoming, you know, I'm honored to be a mod for both ZK and pure, even though I'm not there as often as I'd like to be. Um, but they really have really tight knit communities that, Anytime you come in, the minute they see your name, it's nothing but love. And that's kind of what I took away from them was the way to build the right community. Um, so I think that both had different visions for me, um, both on being my own person and being able to attract that same type of energy to the community we have today. Love that. Such a great answer. <laughs> and Morgan, what is one challenge that you? faced in the last year and you had to overcome it and how did you overcome it um my biggest challenge for me this past year was oh boy um was probably when i had to move um it, it was just for the better interest of everyone um so having a move to an entirely new place across the country um Luckily, I do still have a family member or two out here that live close by. So it's not like I was totally alone in the move. Um, but it was definitely a big challenge, especially I was very stressed about the break I was having to take from streaming and from even just gaming in general. Um, it was very rare for me to even find the free time or let alone the motivation at the time because it, it was it was a very sad time um, during that time. Um, but it, it was definitely my biggest test, um, just keeping my head up and getting to see how many people kept me motivated through that time was the push for me and kept me afloat during that time. I'm really happy that you stuck with it because here you are today, right? And exactly amazing content and you're representing your community in such an amazing way. That's all I can hope to do. And um, without the community there to even represent or love, like for them, without them even being there, there'd be honestly almost no reason to do it, really. So, Morgan, what do you do when you're not creating content or playing Destiny? I have very much in my past used to be a social butterfly, and you could probably find me out with my friends all the time. I have totally turned into your stereotypical stay-at-home cat mom. Um, 
but I do, of course, have my job that I um, just recently started about a little over a month ago that I love. Um, and so if you don't see me working at my actual job or here with my cats or hanging out with my boyfriend, who's actually in chat with us as well, um, which he asked a question that I totally didn't see until just now. Um, but I'm usually, you know, at home with him and just trying to kind of build our lives and get to where we want to be. Um, as far as hobbies and stuff outside of that, um, you will probably hear me singing pretty much nine times out of 10 or have music on in the backgrounds, what I love to do. Um, I haven't gotten to do it yet, but when I can, um, we usually like to go out on walks because the scenery out here is just, there's nothing to compare to it. It's beautiful. Um, so I really like to be outside. So get out there and, you know, touch that grass we all love. But we just don't have a lot of grass out here to touch. So <laughs> living in the desert, I'm, I'd be lucky to see a real piece of grass out here. Um, and the grass you can touch is prickly and hurts. So <laughs> I get out when I can. Yeah. I do see a, a question in chat. And we're curious to know, what is your favorite subclass and build pair with the bow in PvP? I would say, I mean, honestly, it used to be Void um, back when Spectral was good still. Um, I used to love just purple is not only my favorite color, but anything that is like that Void energy or has that magical mystery behind it. Because, you know, electricity and fire are elements we already expect, but Void just always had a mysterious feel to it to me. Um, but once they changed that, I've honestly, I, I always found myself back on Arc Strider. That was my original, um, super before all of the 3.0 changes. And, um, I have found myself back on Arc Strider again. I really miss Arc Strider because I'm a hunter main at heart, you know? Okay. So for me... That was kind of my bread and butter to use Arc Strider with my, um, what is that chest piece? Is it the right in my mind? Uh, Raiden Flux. There Raiden. we go. There it is. Uh, and that was I used kind to of love my... some Raiden Flux. Yeah, so much fun. I was so sad though. There, there only were ever I think like two ornaments for it. They didn't really deep dive into ornaments that much back then with the exotics. So you I could really get like one or two. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even uh, consider that. Yeah. But now I, I love the way that the aesthetics, like how many options they give now for ornamenting. And I wish that the way that they do that for armor, I wish there was a way to kind of do that for weapons to kind of give more of that individualized experience. Because let's be honest, the drip is one of the main drives of the game. Everyone's in it for the fashion. So I wish that there was... um kind of a way to do that with the guns you know how like call of duty or apex has charms um stuff like that i feel like stuff would stuff like that would be pretty cool i mean imagine having a little baby smallin charm attached to your gun and you get to see that all the time like who doesn't want that that would be pretty cool mm -hmm. bungie are you listening are you listening because i think charms would be a really exciting way to you know, I, I just want to put a little charm on my bow. I would love to have a little hive worm or something on my bow, even the little moth. I'll take puka. Now that the fish has a name, I'll put puka on my bow. I didn't even think about that. Now, speaking of puka, did you 
pre-order that really, really nice collector's edition of the Destiny 2 Lightfall. <laughs> that is in my hopeful future plans. As long as okay. the pre-orders are up, I am hoping to snag Puka. Awesome. Well, keep us posted. Let us know how that goes if you end up I picking will. that up. Uh, I'm excited for mine. I can't wait. I have a obsession with Destiny when it comes to collector's editions. I have my Destiny Ghost Edition that's autographed by wow. a couple dozen developers, which is really cool and special. That is never going to get rid of it. I, I wouldn't think to ever get rid of something like that. Yeah, um, such a really cool thing. And it's such an honor to still be here. And we get to experience the voice of Dinklebot. So. You know, yes. that's always fun. Good times there. They do make very, very pretty collector's editions, I must say. They do. They really always do a really good job. Now, I'm curious, on the topic of collector's editions in Destiny, do you have a favorite? Um, I've only ever actually purchased one. Um, I've never... The one that I did try to purchase <laughs> when I bought it, believe it or not, um, I guess... Back in my history of when I worked at GameStop, um, there was a collector's edition that I saw that was on clearance. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be great. Like, what a good price. Plus, I get my discount. So it was a great idea. I get home and open it, and half of the stuff is missing. So apparently, it was a, a, a return that was not properly damaged out because, you know, if someone returns something and things are missing, you can't resell it again. Um, but they didn't check for that. And so I was so devastated because <laughs> I ended up having to return it and I never found a replacement. GameStop was supposed to send me a replacement, but the box is so big. They had to wait on a box big enough to ship it and they never got it. So I just uh, left that one alone. But I did manage to get the one um, that came with the pyramid ship. Um, so I have that sitting on my desk, my little light up. Beyond Light, pyramid. right? Mm -hmm. The Beyond Light Collector's Edition. Um, yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned that one because I think that's one of my favorites. And I'll tell you why. Besides, like the Destiny Two with the bag and uh, the Vanilla Destiny One, that's probably my ultimate favorite. But the the little hive the, uh, figurine that you got, it's like really, really high quality. Oh yeah, I would I would argue and say that it's probably higher quality than anything that they've ever come out with because it wasn't made out of plastic it felt like this metal piece that like really has weight and really good build quality to it yeah even the um the ship the it was so detailed like it's so heavy in your hand because it's an actual you know like metal statue but on top of that all of the secret messages and things that they put in for the community to find and then you just see it the next day, like, oh, we cracked the code, like the Morse code lighting behind the, um, in the pyramid ship, there was the Morse code message that was actually, I think, an emblem code for people. Um, I, I love to hear about the little hidden things that they put in. And then even ones that go unfound and that they later touch base on and they're like, hey, did you know we put this in there? It's just super cool. The little things they hide in there, the little Easter eggs and whatnot. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for or the next one they come out with, um, with Lightfall. It looks Do you like so, the so art cool. that they picked for it? Yeah, and you get the art book, too. Yeah, um, not the, the I feel book, like the season is going to have, like, a really cool, um, 
I, I don't want to say cyberpunk because I'm not referring to the game, but it does have that cyberpunk-ish feel to this like mecha city that's way ahead of ourselves that we get to touch to, touch down into. I think it's going to be a really it really matches to my aesthetic with the neon the, the neon colors and the you know neon lights. I think it's going to be a really beautiful uh, expansion to see. Oh, I totally agree. And you know, it's funny you mentioned cyberpunk because that's exactly how I described it as well. I actually wrote an article last week for um, my friend's blog about Destiny 2 Lightfall, and the way that I described it was cyberpunk, mm -hmm. but with a Destiny twist, with the shooter mechanics that we come to expect in love from destiny from bungie so it's going to be really exciting to see what comes with destiny to lightfall and imagine the playground they've given us with the new grappling ability and how far you can go and i'm wondering you know in most maps they have a cap for how high you can jump before it's a turn back zone so i'm really curious to see just how far into the map they're going to let us explore with the grappling Absolutely. So, Morgan, I'm curious. You had a chance to play King's Fall. Is Oryx in the front or the back of the room? Because it seems like the community is very split on this, and I want to settle this tonight on the <laughs> Destiny show. I somehow knew that this question was coming. <laughs> um. Well, as it being my first king's fall between d1 or d2 e either way um i feel as though that one must take this with you know you can take it with as much salt as you'd like whether it be a grain or however much you need but i'm a music student and i have always been known that your focal point and what you're paying attention to in the room is is typically the front of the room if you pay for a ticket and you go to a show you don't walk into the room and immediately turn around and stare at the back wall. You're looking towards the front of the room. It may be the back of the building, but the front of the room is the focal point. And I feel like Oryx starts in the front. And then when you're leaving in a um, movie theater, for example, they tell you that the exit is towards the back door, which is the door you came in. So I'm going to say front. See, I'm going to argue that. And maybe you'll disagree. That's fine. We shall see. But my feeling is that Oryx is in the back of the room because the front of the room is where we enter. We, we enter in the front. And if I'm looking at L1 and R1, they're in the front. And if we're talking about True. R2 and L2, they're closer to Oryx in the back. I think this is all perception in the end. I think um, it really is <laughs> because I, I think I feel I almost have like a feng shui thing come into my mind, like how you rearrange a room can really set the ambiance for the room. And if you arrange Oryx to the back of the room, he's instantly the focal point. So I feel like it's all in your perception of it. And it's really fun that Destiny put out the uh, poll today without actually giving us the real answer because they'd rather us figure it out for ourselves. <laughs> and I think that that's hilarious. I agree. 
I, I think it's an interesting discussion that can lead to so many more. And we are going to talk about King's Fall because just this weekend we had some pretty fun little events that took place. Some people Indeed. may have gotten the day one emblem. And if you did, hats off. Congratulations, Guardians. It takes a real one for that. Yeah, it totally does. And But before we dive into that, um, I am curious, Morgan, what is next for you in your destiny journey? It's, it's only growth from here. Um, I, I feel like maybe compared to some other people, um, what they would consider growth, mine may possibly be slower to some than others. But I feel like it's genuine growth because it's actually taking time to truly keep the right people around you. Um, I just want to keep growing um, the space that I have and in inviting all of these, you know, unique people that always show up every day and getting to introduce them to other people. I, I love seeing on my friends list, maybe two people that happen to meet, whether they were playing sixes with me or what have you and seeing them playing on their own and just getting to watch other people find these friendships in places they don't expect it is really nice. Um, so I just want to continue what I'm doing and just grow this space of amazing people that I know. Um, I've never actually dove into like YouTube or anything like that. So I like to keep the content kind of on a day to day basis, because you know, in our lives, our days do change. And even in the game, the metas change, you know, it's a constant change. So I think just to continue um, inviting more people in and building off of that is just really what I what I've always wanted is just to keep the game as fun as you can. Um, and that's what I want to continue doing, because I've met so many amazing people. That's so awesome, Morgan. And thank you so much for sharing your awesome journey with our guardians. Thank you for opening up and sharing your story. Such a pleasure. I appreciate you giving me the chance to do that. Of course, of course. And guardians, we're going to continue the conversation about the King's Fall Raid in just a moment. But before we do, I want to let you all know about our friends over at Green Man Gaming. Green Man Gaming is the very best place to get your video game fix. In fact, right now you can get Destiny 2 Lightfall and you can save 18% by picking up your copy and supporting us and our friends at Green Man Gaming who graciously are giving away a copy of Destiny 2 Lightfall. We picked a winner and we're going to be running another one pretty soon. So keep Amazing. an eye out for that. Make sure to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win Destiny 2 Lightfall and the annual pass. So you're getting everything and you're getting all of the bonus content that you can enjoy today in the game. And I'm I'm curious, Morgan, did you get a chance to pre-order your copy of Destiny 2 Lightfall. I have not. That has not been something I have done yet. Okay. All right. And and now where are you going to get your copy of the game? Are you going to get that on PC? Are you going to be playing on PlayStation or Xbox? It's going to be on PC. I used to be on PlayStation, but um, that's where all of my expansions were. 
Um, I had a couple people that were nice enough to help me get caught up on the PC version um, because it does lock you out of nightfalls and certain things like that. Like right now I can't do the corrupted or anything because I don't have forsaken on PC. Um, so it's been an, a nice little journey to try and get my uh, expansions back. <laughs> so it'll be on PC. Awesome. Well, you know, and I'm, I'm with you there. And my reasoning is that, you know, I invested so much into my computer and now it's like i feel like i finally built what i would call the computer of my dreams i can play the game in 160 frames and not skip a beat which is awesome sounds like a monster of a machine (laughs) oh yeah well i i got lucky kind of lucky i was able to get a 3080 is that when everything has been really shortaged? You managed to get one. It was after. It was just when the crash was pretty much happening, but okay. I ended up paying. I would say a little, a little more than what the prices are at right now. I think yeah. the prices continued to drop. I think I paid like nine fifty for mine. Okay, that's still pretty reasonable, though. You know, it was it was all right, but I really enjoy Destiny in 160 frames you really get to see everything every little edge every little you know crystal every little everything they've put in the game is just right there for you to see best way to play and you know and i'm happy that also we don't have to deal with exclusivity yep uh, like we did before that's a welcoming change in the game i actually had friends ask me when i was still on um when they were on, I guess they were PC maybe, and there were PlayStation exclusive armor sets. I, I remember having friends asking me to run on run their account on PlayStation, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm glad yeah. they did away with that. Absolutely. So, Morgan, we're going to talk about something kind of exciting tonight. We have an all-new raid, or I should say returning raid, the King's Fall raid that was very highly anticipated. A lot of players kind of sensed that was coming before the big showcase that we got. Um, I wouldn't say August 23rd, so mm-hmm. a little over a week ago. And I'm curious, did you get a chance to play through the King's Fall raid? And what did you think? So my first run through was actually last night. Um, it was perfect timing because I knew that this would be a big topic for today. So I'm glad that I at least got some exposure to it beforehand. Um, it's, I mean, what what can't you say about it? It's beautiful. Um, I did not think <laughs> that the jumping puzzles would be the way that they were. Um, that was definitely, as, as one who used to do a lot of runs with people back when Outbreak came to the game, um, that was kind of a big step for me back then is that I used to help people run outbreaks. And then once we ran all of those people through, we would run um, their catalyst runs. And um, so, you know, I thought that, Oh yeah, I've got jumping puzzles in the bag and then get to the ships and they just start crumbling under your feet. And you think you got the right ship, but you jumped on the wrong one and then you go plummeting to your doom. Yeah. It it was (laughs) the jumping puzzles got me. And then of course the infamous wall, yeah, it, it was definitely something. Um, the jumping puzzles were my demise, but we finally made it in the end. Um, just getting to see those 
um, bosses, just how large in the game they are. I, I mean, to me, I never got to experience any, uh, you know, like Oryx or anything like that in D1. So to see something that large in the game that you're actually fighting was nuts. It was really cool to see. I think for me, uh, playing through King's Fall back in Destiny 1 a lot, I played King's Fall more than I care to admit, probably <laughs> at least 100 times. Okay. It was very nostalgic going into Destiny 2, and but it felt the way that it was meant to be. The art was better. So how... I'm curious then on my end, if I'm able to ask a question. Um, so as someone who did get to experience both, um, what, what do you think were some of like the great things that they did um, translating it over to D2 and maybe um, what were some other things that you were kind of like head scratching about maybe that were like, hmm, I don't know about this or if, if there were any at all. I was a bit disappointed that there was a little too much instability, especially on a day one raid, where mm -hmm. I feel like if players are expected to go through such challenging activity, you shouldn't get disconnected at the end of the boss fight yeah. before you're able to finish it, because I think that creates problems. A lot of people got weaseled and missed out on an opportunity, potentially, Mm -hmm. During a time when it's supposed to be a real competition, right? So it's, I think yeah, that's crucial. Has a responsibility there, right? Yeah. But other than that, the art so just good. It was amplified from what we had in Destiny One because the graphics are better, higher frames, higher resolution. I would say better pixel density. The colors are more lush and vibrant, and you really felt the hive evil that was surrounding you everywhere. Very you... eerie. Yeah. You know, it almost made me want for, for us to get the Dreadnought back as a destination, and um, I'm wondering if that would be possible. I mean, with everything vaulted, it seems like any of that's possible at this point. So, So that's one thing for me, but... I think Bungie really preserved everything about King's Fall that I would want for them to preserve, right? I see it saying um, something about leaving out a shotgun. I'm assuming there was a shotgun tied to the raid in D1. So, I don't know if they're missing a shotgun. Let me, let me check. Because I did not get a shotgun during the King's Fall raid. I will say for the loot, um, I was pretty sad about my loot because I got three cloaks. Um, I think I got a gun. I, I would have to go look back at which one it was that I got. Um, I believe I got... Oh, I got two guns. I got the... I guess the... I don't think it's pronounced Midas, but it would be the Midas Reckoning, I believe. And then... Yep. Midas Reckoning, yep. And then the Zali's Bane is the um, hand cannon. I didn't get great rolls on either of those and then ended up with three or two or three cloaks. Um, so it'll definitely be a raid. I'm going in again for some actual loot drops this time. Big same. I cannot wait. Probably after the podcast, I am going to have to get into the raid because the community managers have been just 
bragging about their touch of malice and how they got it on the first run. And, you know, I I have a very soft spot for the touch of malice. So I'm going to have to grind out. It's Tuesday, another opportunity to get my bread. So we will try and I will let you all know how that goes. You must secure the bread. I must. And it looks like the shotgun is called the si- the Silence of Arn. Silence of Arn, and that is available during the King's Fall raid right now if you are looking to get that bread. And now I'm curious, Morgan, you've gotten some drops from King's Fall. What are your thoughts on the rewards in this raid compared to, you know, what we what we had before? I've noticed that I know there was a certain point where they kind of changed it to where things needed to be unlocked in the loot in the loot pool in order for you to get them. So I don't know if that has anything to play into this at all. Um, I will say I'd like to do a fresh run over just to see if there's any variation in what I get. Um, I would definitely like to see, um, you know, as far as the armor goes, maybe a little bit more variation there. Um, I haven't really done enough runs to really judge the loot pool overall, being that I only got a few chests. Um, but as far as I can tell, I just got a bunch of armor, and it feels very much like a Garden of Salvation did, where you would get a lot of repeat drops. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't know until I run it again, which I can't wait to do. I still technically consider whenever I beat Oryx that that will be my first run, because I still have yet to beat him um but we did get to him um so i'm hoping that maybe when i get that first kill maybe touch of malice that'd be pretty cool okay now um now i'm curious now i feel that you're gonna have to update us on how that goes when you get your completion done uh because that would be (laughs) really really cool for you to get your touch of malice on the first run it would be really dope. I have I have yeah. known to have been um I've known been known to have some interesting RNG in the past. So I would like to see if it's in my favor for this. Dare I ask, what is your best RNG that you've had in Destiny? And what is the worst RNG that you've had in <laughs> Destiny? Um, my best RNG is back when um celestial uh everyone wanted to get one and um i ended up being one of the first out of my friends to have it and um i think everyone else was still getting stompies and stuff to drop and i happened to get the celestial the first out of my friends um and the as far as a weapon goes probably for anarchy i think i got it in under 10 runs i think it was like four runs or something um, and that was another one where people were really struggling to get that in-game gun. Um, now as far as RNG being the worst, uh, I gotta say my RNG is the worst on my bows. <laughs> I can't get, uh, once I get a roll, it's very rare that I'll get another one that outshines the previous. So, um, it's very exciting when I actually do get one, but it, for the life of me, I'll get amazing perks, but a horrible draw time. So, yeah, I've got great perks, but if I can't shoot the arrows quick enough, then it's kind of uh, counterintuitive in that way. So my RNG is horrible with my bows. 
That's really interesting that you say that because I, I think that for me, I apologize. You probably hear my dog digging in the background. He's just it's having okay. a blast right now. I have a little chihuahua and he's just digging at the pillows because he's ready for bed, apparently. Yeah, he's um, going to town. He's ready. He's he's ready to go and I'm ready to go fight Oryx. <laughs> go figure. So I I find it really interesting that you know, you had some really good moments and some pretty bad moments with your RNG, but the bad ones were with your your bows because that was something that you really, really wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for me, I would say the best time in Destiny was probably when they relaunched Vault of Glass. Because you know how many runs it took me to get my Vex? How many? Two runs. Oh. On my second run, I, I had it, and I've never had that kind of luck. That's so cool. By contrast, in Destiny 1, it took me like 30 runs of Vault of Glass to get it. Yikes. I was so excited. Gallarhorn was the worst. Because I missed it when the Gallarhorn first came out. Mm -hmm. Because was selling it. But I got kind of screwed over when I bought the game because I pre-ordered just like everybody else. But I think I bought it from like Kmart. It was around back then. Yeah. I don't know why I bought it from Kmart, but for some reason, I ended up getting it from Kmart. The biggest mistake of my destiny life. Because I missed out on Gallarhorn, and I had to wait until Crota's End, when Crota's End came out. And it was probably around the middle of that season. And... Mm -hmm. I went down into the stills and there was a chest that you were able to get in the mornings when uh, the reset happened at like, I forget, it was like eight o'clock in the morning or something like that before they changed it to 1 p.m. in Destiny 2. So I woke up one morning and I go down because I've been trying to get the Gallarhorn for like 70, 80 runs now i mean it was ridiculous yeah i literally would delete a character and play the raid again for the chance at getting my gallarhorn it was that serious i can see it was it was a ritual so finally i get my gallarhorn and the entire neighborhood just they hear it (laughs) it was like 7 30 in the morning or like yeah. eight o'clock in the morning, You're something like, who really is this crazy. At this time of day. Yep, but I was so serious that during uh, reset on Tuesdays, I would get my Galhorn, and um, it finally happened because the raid would not drop it for me. Um, but here we All are right, there's now. There's a will, there's a way, though. There is a will, and there is a way, indeed. And I'm I'm curious from the drops that you got so far from King's Fall. What are some of your favorites? I think that the armor looks really cool. Um, being able to um, ornament those now um, is really exciting. So you, you know, a lot of people with like the Leviathan raid, they were grinding, you know, the prestige armor sets. Um, I think it's really cool to actually be able to um, re- not lose those because of the vaulting system. Um, they make those, you know, available to or- ornament on your armor so that you can show those successes off. Um, so I really think that the raid armors have been really nice. Although I would love to see 
since I never got to see them for myself, some of the glowing armor sets that I've seen from D1 raids, I think those would be really cool to bring into the game. Um, but just something about hearing that exotic in your ear, in the minute that you get that weapon everyone's hoping for, and just hearing, yes, they're upset they didn't get it, but then they're also excited that someone did get it. Um, just hearing that exotic in your headset, it's really exciting. On the topic of exotics, do you think that they should be more rare to get? Or do you think that they should be available more easily? Because I have noticed that a lot of players, they've ran activities for maybe at least 100 times and they still wouldn't get the gun. Mm -hmm. Should there be a level of protection against that? Um, I mean, it depends. I, I see everything in moderation because I could also see that the, where that could be a down downside if everyone, you know, could get it more easily because at that point, um, everyone's going to be using it. It's like the only gun you'll see, you know, the minute that everyone has it in their hands. Why not let that be the only gun you use? Um, so where I think that it sucks that people aren't getting it at certain times and, you know, they go X amount and not get it. I feel like it 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 does keep that grind real, the journey to actually go out and get that gun or that armor piece. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure how you would balance it without it being, you know, like what overbears the season and takes over as a meta. I, I don't see how that wouldn't happen. I, I totally get where you're coming from here. Uh, you know, I think that there's something to be said about making an experience that which it feels special to get a gun, right? It, it's not something that you're going to get in 10 runs and then the game becomes kind of boring to play because you've done it all, right? There's no right. chase. So the weapon feels less special. Mm -hmm. And there are some definite drawbacks to it i will say that after let's say 75 runs there should be some kind of a mechanism where like all right there needs to be a threshold yeah <laughs> and then i think at that your, point your chances should increase should increase you, yeah i feel like it ha they did that with the um scourge raid no with the anarchy once you hit a certain number of runs they did yes they yes. increased the probability to like 20 percent or something like that yeah supposedly so they say. <laughs> because even after they pushed that update through, it took me, I would say, seven, eight times to yeah. finally get it. Which I guess at that point, it just puts that your probability of getting that gun was on was further on the back end. Um, like Kind of like Apex Heirlooms, I guess. Um, you know, it takes, for Apex, uh, the heirloom, for those of you that do, may or may not play Apex, um, an heirloom is a special item that you can give to your operator that um, it's basically just an aesthetic item, but it's like people's goal to get it in the game because it's just kind of like a status thing. Um, makes you look like a, you know, really cool version of that player. Um, but you have up until level 500, you have a probability of getting, you know, these heirlooms. And um, there's a ton of people that don't get their heirloom until game, you know, they're 499 out of 500. Um, but then there's also people that get it, you know, five levels in. It's just, it's, it's that push. It gives people that 
that grind and motivation to keep playing. And yes, it can be stressful, especially in like LFG situations where there is kind of a pressure, like, for example, like how MC says in chat that there's um, that off chance that people get the gun that they want, but then they leave right afterwards because they didn't get it. Or, you know, I mean, there is that side of it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's I, I think it's almost like the lottery. I mean, you're either going to win it or you're not going to win it, um, but you won't know until you try. So I think it's the same with the weapons. You don't know if the next run's going to be the time you get it or not. That's why we're pushing and why we keep grinding, because that next chest could be that item you're looking for. See, like, I feel like if somebody got a Vex, I would be excited for them. I don't know why you would be upset. Right. But because that's the item they were going for, like, I, I, I do remember um, an LFG experience where, or quite a few, honestly, where you get a checkpoint and you're either booted or what have you. They'll kick you out of the game and take your checkpoint. Or if you're not wearing a certain emblem or what have you. Um, but there was a point where when we were doing the Scourge Raid, I do remember the day that I got it. Um, there was actually someone in the party that got kind of irritated and left. Um, I mean, why be that way? Because your next run could be the gun, you know? And I, I'm kind of a believer in, I'm not saying, oh, be 100% positive in your mentality and you're guaranteed to get the gun. I just think that the law of attraction really is a thing to um, wonder about because if you put that positive energy around yourself, I mean, you have hope to get the gun. I mean, without the hope to get it, if you just give up, of course, you're never going to get it, So. I did not even realize that you were primarily a PvP player. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, what do you play the most in Destiny? What do you enjoy the most? And um, what has your Destiny journey consisted of in terms of your gameplay? Um, Honestly, I mean, I know that it may be the uh kind of interesting place that it is right now with pvp but i've always enjoyed any sort of the sixes playlists it gives you an opportunity to play with more people at once um it also i've noticed whenever i'm streaming and i have my chat going if there's ever spots open and there's people that i've noticed have been in chat for a while or, or have been coming to the streams every now and again we love bringing those people in and it just really expands that circle of um people to play with um so i think that's been my favorite aspect and been the best way that i've met other people in the game was through sixes and then keeping that open mind to allow people to join topic that i discussed with one of my friends and i'm curious what you think about this do you think that there should be a lockout for how many times per week you're able to play the activity to get the raid exotic or do you think that you should be able to play as many times throughout the week and as long as you complete the activity you have a chance to get the exotic I feel like if you were to have a lockout, I mean, we already see kind of the, um, I guess you could label them frustrations with um, changing the raid day to Friday as opposed to Saturday. Um, you know, I think that any sort of time restriction in the game, it's really hard to please everyone, but I, I could see it as being kind of a, um, a drawback 
because, you know, let's say, well, so-and-so only has these days off in the week, but if they have that time to give to play the game, why not allow them to play as much as they possibly can for that amount of time? Um, I feel like if there were a lockout, I feel like the accessibility factor would, would diminish in that way. Um, so I feel like as long as people have the time to give the, to the game um, and it's healthy to their lifestyle, if they have the extra time, why not let them grind their butts off? Yeah, no, I totally see your point. And, you know, I, I kind of have a similar uh, thought process as you do. And I, I think that if it becomes unrealistic based on their just um, reward economy, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they they have systems they have to maintain. Um, even if they drop the rate at which you're able to get it, I think having a chance of getting it, even if you continue to play the raid, it would be beneficial. But not only that, it would give extra incentives to the people who are helping others, right? Correct. One thing that I've noticed and playing with other people who just help others and they play six times seven times eight times a week mm-hmm. i feel like they should also have an incentive to continue playing this activity and mm-hmm. giving them a chance of getting that raid exotic um a little bit more based on how much time they choose to spend the game it just enhances the accessibility of the game for more players and allows for you to play more at your leisure and your schedule I also feel like on the same token, because that brings up a good point in my mind, is I do see a lot of talk about, um, you know, let's say that there are people that do take the game more seriously than others. Um, Some consider themselves Sherpas, some people consider themselves doing carries or however they want to label themselves. I feel like there should be something else aside from a a dot on a report online that says it in-game. Um, you know, like I think they they had the one emblem for like the raid carries that they've done, but there's no real um notation in the game that says, and I see what they're doing when we move forward with the accolades and stuff, where you can kind of praise that person for being a good guide and yeah, the then look for that. Yep. Yeah, but um, I think if there were something like aesthetic that that you could see is something almost tangible to it in front of you like let's say there's a sherpa armor set for um sherpa doing x amount of sherpas in a raid you get that set and it sets you apart from you know it shows people hey i i do sherpas like i i run people through raids if you need a raid i'm here um same thing for like trials for example i if there was a different echelon of loot for those people that do take the game serious in that way then not only would we have all of our loot that's available to us, but there is also that extra push of, hey, what if I'm this kind of player? And what if I, you know, want that kind of loot? I feel like that would be pretty cool to have like a almost an upper level of loot for people to chase after if they choose to become that type of player. Because one person can be a casual player one day and they could totally flip and be like, I, I want to make this my, my every day, or this is what I want my grind to be. Put that in the game and give them that chase. But you know, Morgan, also on that topic, and it made me think about this because I'm wondering also if 
if you create weapons that are like really really good but the activity is extremely difficult to complete mm-hmm. will it potentially discourage players from even bothering with it because the rewards are just not good enough so kind of like what we had trials right yeah certain people were able to do it others would never even know what these items are i feel like there's a like a catch-22 to that like i feel like there's people um the game is really um trying to highlight on the camaraderie and the formations of fire teams and you know yes there are portions of the game you can do alone but they really push to not you know to have activities that you know you you kind of need those extra hands in there to do it um i think it would also be cool to have it kind of separated in that way where there are things that can be done you know alone that gives you that sort of loot but i feel like I don't know. It feels like it almost forces people if they don't want to be in a fire team with people to kind of have to be in a fire team with people. Um, But then again, it is also a setback if you don't at least open up and try to meet newer people in the um, in the Destiny world or whatever game you're playing. Um, You they, they may have insight to something, a way that they might play that you had no idea about. Like, I just feel like it's kind of almost a personal setback if you don't at least give the that chance to try and hear, you know, other players' takes and other ways that they might clear something. Because one person's raid callouts could be totally different, as we see with the front and back dispute. Um, I just feel like all everyone has, like, their own special thing to bring to the table, and if we don't take a chance to at least kind of branch out and listen to those things, I feel like it kind of gets you stuck in stuck in this certain spot i guess um that we, that you could branch out and just do so much more with that but you know that there's also no pressure on making people play with people if they don't want to but i feel like a game like this certain activities you kind of have to regardless it's it's tough to please everybody in the community i think the destiny mm-hmm. community has grown to such a large scale where it's like it's tough right like that debate between like what's back what's front like i don't know it could be anything right like really it really could everybody has their own way right Mm -hmm. um so i find that really interesting about destiny how players find their own ways to build their own legend Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's necessarily even a specific meta that you're expected to follow because like for me i found I brought Outbreak into King's Fall and I was doing really, really great with it. It worked Mm -hmm. for me because I didn't need a heavy that was an exotic. I was able to use Cataclysmic and it was just melting things along with something like a slug shotgun, Mm -hmm. you know, and then my Outbreak was wrecking everything else. And if you look at the meta, if you look at the data, that's not necessarily what everybody else was using. Exactly. So we just had day one, and I know that you did not attempt day one, but I, I did, and I, I have some thoughts about it. Okay. And I, I think for me, the day one experience of doing Crotus End, it taught me that I need to be more prepared with mm-hmm. a more um, coordinated team, but also take time to actually practice the old raid. I mean, 
I had an Xbox One. It's in my living okay. room, but I did not take the time to go and practice. So I wish I did that because I would definitely have been more comfortable going in on day one versus I played this five years ago and, you know, <laughs> let's see what I can do. Yeah. Uh, let's see what I remember. But um, it was a lot of fun playing through it with all of its challenge. And yeah, um, I'm excited for the next one because I think I'm definitely going to be a little bit more prepared. Now, yes. Morgan, I'm curious, have you ever attempted day one raids before? I have attempted one day one raid, and that was for, I believe it was for Crown of Sorrow. And um, it, huh, man, that was a long day. <laughs> I, we did, I don't even think we actually finished it that day, but we did get to the um, final boss. And uh, again, just like with Oryx, um, the time we had put into it, it was already super late. I think we were like eight or nine hours in. Um, it was one of the really, really long ones where people were still kind of, um, if I remember right, that day one took quite a while for people to actually complete on the, um, competitive side of it. And, um, yeah, I just remember us being nine hours in and just finally being like, okay, I think we're hitting a wall here. <laughs> and we did indeed hit that wall pretty hard. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned Crown of Sorrow because that was the first raid that I did flawless. Oh, nice. And I mean, I've, I think that entire season when Crown of Sorrow launched, I was probably at the most, I would say, quote unquote, hardcore level of playing the game because mm -hmm. I was literally running people through flawless menageries. Okay. So it was kind of getting you well prepped. It, it definitely gave me a lot of, uh, Tough skin, <laughs> mm -hmm. destiny, and I don't know if I ever got back to it because I got my shadow title, and after that, I was like, man, I don't know if I can commit that level of time and effort because at the end of the day, you know, what makes a player very, very good because they commit the time to practice. Mm -hmm. It's about muscle memory. It's about being with a team that you're very comfortable with and knowing exactly that you're going to be able to be in sync with them to right. achieve that really difficult challenge. And that's mm -hmm. needed even during King's Fall when it's a raid that we all played before, so it's not like the strategy is all different. I don't think it was that different. It's the cohesion with your teammates. Yeah. I think that plays a huge part into the successes of the raids is... Um, I, I think that that's been my struggle with LFG is typically you find people that are so used to getting it done quickly, even if they say they're teaching. I have joined some LFGs where they say they're teaching, but you can sense the tension of like, if you're not getting it right away, then they kind of want to get it moving. And I, I, I feel like your day one attempts, especially when it's if you can get enough of your friends together, it's a lot more... Um, a lot more, like I said, cohesion. You get along better with your team because there's just that flow. You guys already play together all the time. And I'm not saying that LFG is all the way bad because I have met some really cool people through LFG. But I will say there is a certain air that makes people nervous to LFG because of the way that LFGs are handled in that, yes, you might be joining this promising group, but let's say you guys get the checkpoint and they kick everybody. Or... 
you know, you just don't know what you're getting from LFG. Whereas if at least you do have a small group of people that you can play with and you only need a spot or two filled, it's a lot easier to have four people that communicate well already than it is to be, you know, six fresh people that have no idea who the next person is. Yeah. And, you know, on the topic of LFG, we know that during the showcase, Bungie revealed that we're getting an in-game LFG. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they said it was launching right with Lightfall, but in 2023. I think that'll be really, really exciting. I think with a lot of people having the discussion of is Destiny an MMO or is it not an MMO? Like, what is it? I do think that that's another closer step to giving that feel to the game. Um, and I think the only other thing that I could think of right away that would make it more MMO-like is, you know, larger lobbies. But again, we already see the way that some lobbies run. Um, you know, it's a very touchy thing. The minute you tweak one thing in the game, you could break 30 other things. So it's not always easy to do. Um, so to see see them introduce something even like that is a good start. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm excited for it. You know, and a part of me is a little nervous, I'll be honest, because I feel that the Destiny Companion app, it, it to me, it didn't really live up to the expectations that I had for it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we do kind of have an LFG system in it. so it makes me a little wary whether or not they can build a UX that functions as good within an LFG system as their core game does. Mm -hmm. But I'm excited to see what they are working on because, you know, if we know Bungie, they, they really do put a ton of effort when they release something, mm -hmm. especially now. So I do expect for them to really raise the bar with making it easier and more accessible to find people to play with. Well, and it's also like the big deterrent for LFG is when you log in and you see all of the titles that are being made and what's being written and outwardly reading those. Like, I mean, it puts off this like almost elitist, um, like, you know, know what to do, have the emblem on, blah, blah, blah. Like, it just it's kind of makes you feel like there isn't a place for someone new to find someone to run with because you just seem like you're going to be a hindrance to that fire team if you don't know what you're doing. Whereas in the game, if you take away that option to just type whatever you want, um, I feel like you said with the accessibility, I feel like it's more open arms and kind of welcoming to, you know, at that point, meet someone newer in the game and maybe even find a new group to run with um, because it's not all based off of some malicious title that they put in LFG or some sort of... Um, like you can't sit with us type of mentality um in the game i feel like if they just keep it cut and dry put that you're looking for a raid team don't let them type anything for a title and just keep it that way i feel like a lot of that pressure comes off of even just logging in and seeing the t the titles of all the posts it's just very demotivating sometimes to see some of them if you're a newer player i think that with lfg oftentimes you get a lot of I don't want to use the word toxicity because it's a very strong word, but definitely negativity where yeah. it's like know what to do or else you can't play or have 10 runs. And it's like the raid just came out. So 
It's Relax. literally like going out and getting a job. It's like the job, they want to hire you, but they expect you to have X amount of years of experience in something. Well, let's say, I mean, how else do you get the experience unless one of these places actually allows you to do it? Same thing with the raid. How do you expect people to get the experience if you aren't that group that teaches them or if there isn't someone there for them to learn with? It is a six-person activity for a reason. Um, you know, in the ground ground workings of it all, like, yes, you can low man it or whatever, but it's intended for six people. So how else is one to learn if no one's willing to learn with them or to help them along? What do you think is the answer? Do you think that these LFG communities need to be better responsible for moderation? Or like, where, where, where do you draw the line? I just feel like certain verbiage shouldn't be allowed, like how um, you can blacklist a word for Twitch, you can blacklist a word for, you know, pretty much anything now. Um, but I feel like certain verbiage in the LFG posts shouldn't be allowed um, because it is, like we said, you know, it, it, it does cut off that accessibility for people to actually learn the game, especially if it's like, know what to do or you can't play, or like, you must have this amount of kills on a, on a gun or whatever. Um, it just cuts off, you know, like a huge chunk of the community who's clearly newer here and or newer to whatever that activity might be. Um, it just doesn't even give them that chance to become one of the people that's able to teach someone else. I mean, how else does the game thrive? And everyone would be playing the game not knowing how to play it unless they watch the five people that knew how to play it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think there are certain... I think the way that LFG is structured, to me, it's a little bit unoptimal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, right? Um, <laughs> I feel that there can be a place where you have people who are just looking to play with someone who is at whatever same skill level and they just want to get things done. But I don't think you need to necessarily say, okay, let me see your raid report or make it feel like you're applying for a position with them, right? right. I think that there is a level of, you know, being considerate to, to people, but also recognizing that, like, at what point is it that either one, I'm not willing to put in the effort to help someone figure out how to do it because at the end of the day the thing that stands between success and failure in the raid especially after they day one mm -hmm. it's pretty much strategy so if you're able to communicate that strategy it really makes a big difference and i actually have a thing that i can share from my own personal experience because in destiny one i didn't really have anyone who took the time to explain to me how to be torn mm -hmm. even though i've done that raid maybe a hundred times right but because we already had our group that had their own part yeah and then the you get only, locked into a role the only the only thing that you really had was like we want to get this done as fast as possible and there was never a purpose of let's just all learn how to do every part right and this week, I had a chance to play with several groups where I actually had the opportunity to learn how to be torn. 
and now I'm doing it all the time. And it's like, I'm thinking back, it's like, if I actually took the time or if someone took the time to show me how to do it versus rushing me, expecting me to know it the first time, I would be a much exactly. better player in mm -hmm. that raid. And that's sometimes all it takes. Just a little extra Showing time. Someone, okay, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. And being patient enough to say, okay, well, just look here. And that's where I really appreciate people like Clyde, for example. He's mm -hmm. a perfect example of someone who is really, really good at being patient and at helping people through different mm -hmm. activities, making them a much more comfortable guardian. Even seeing some of the creators, like, um, I remember there's there's been instances where like ZK and Frost, for example, they took a, I believe he was six years old, took him flawless, I think. Um, it, it's just as long as you, like you said, exercise that patience and time, I mean, really anyone can learn to do it. It's just who's going to be the one that's actually willing to teach. On the topic I feel like of there's day a, one, Morgan, I'm curious because we know that... We're going to be getting some uh, really cool endgame content, especially yes. with the Neptune destination being introduced. Mm -hmm. It's almost confirmed we're getting a new raid. And I'm curious, are you going for a day one clear for the next raid? Time permitting, yes. I would love to go for a day one again. And are you going to use all those? Yet to be seen. Depends on what's available at the time. But I could I could definitely see at least one bow in my loadout. Most definitely. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. And we are five months away, right? Yeah. Not that much longer to wait. It's going to rush by. Now it's going to be an interesting five months. Mm -hmm. And... On a slightly different topic, we also had the new season that was introduced during the big showcase with mm -hmm. Season of Plunder, Destiny Goes Pirates. Yes, the Season of Pirate Booty Plunder. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, how are you enjoying the new season so far? It's, it's definitely... Um... The, the seasonal activity definitely gives me um, menagerie vibes. Um, from in the past, which is something that a lot of people really enjoyed and wanted back. Um, I feel like this activity gives a lot of that same feel that Menagerie had, that there's like an in-game you can push for. Um, it's just super cool to be flying around in space, jumping from ship to ship, uh, literally just pirating the seven seas of the galaxy that we're lucky enough to float around in. Um, it's been it's been an interesting take on uh, a new destination and actually having the fight happen up in space as opposed to landing on a planet and having your feet on the ground. It's been really cool. And the skyboxes behind these, like I, I must say that one thing that I've always loved that Bungie has done, they have some of the prettiest skyboxes because you get a lot of games where stuff is stationary in the background and it, you can tell it's there, but it's just like this flat image behind a bunch of 3D, but they immersify literally to the stars and back. The skyboxes are just beautiful. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on the menagerie vibes. Mm -hmm. 
definitely getting a lot of um, menagerie feel from that seasonal activity. The only thing I would say is I wish we had, you know, how we had different rooms in the menagerie. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, like if we had four different arenas that Mm -hmm. we got to explore. That would be really cool. I almost wonder if during that season, uh, Bungie kind of over-delivered in a way. Possibly. (laughs) Because, I mean, if you think about it, it it felt like a mini raid, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think seasonal activities ever really felt like that after. I mean, this fall, obviously, that's a raid, right? And we just got a raid, so maybe I'm asking for a little bit too much. (laughs) But we did also get the Crown of Sorrow during the uh, season of opulence, I want to say. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe it's possible again. Um, we'll see. But also, I don't know if we got as big of a story at that time. I think Bungie is much more focused on that narrative that we're getting. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how this season and the next season progresses before we finally get to enjoy Lightfall. Yes, I I definitely want to see how where we've gotten to today, what that leads up to moving forward. And Morgan, I know that, you know, we had a chance to watch a really interesting uh, showcase. I really enjoyed it personally, but I'm curious, what did you think of the showcase? Was there anything that really stood out for you? I. I do really like when they do um, the I noticed with the pre-show that they were highlighting a lot of the art and the faces in the community that one may not normally hear from or maybe ones that are not as heavily noticed as others. I feel like that's kind of where people like that get to shine. Um, I wish that there were more points in the year that things like that happened, like art of the week and movie of the week and stuff like that's cool. But I feel like if you don't make YouTube videos, then you don't really have a chance at video of the week. Um, you know, cause most of even the gaming clips are like edited or, you know, what have you. Um, but I, I like how they, um, highlight other points of the community that don't always get the highlight that they necessarily deserve in my opinion. Um, so that was one thing that I liked. Um, I do also like how organized they keep the showcases. So the movement towards like the bigger and better next bigger and better thing that they're telling you about. Um, I, I feel like it was a lot of um, build up during it. And uh, I, this is, I think, I think for the past three showcases, I've, I've watched them full, you know, um, from the beginning to end. Um, and with this one, I think I'm just most excited about the destination itself and all the activities and characters and stuff will come, you know, along with it. But just how pretty this whole planet is, you can really tell the time and effort that was put into it. It's gorgeous. Absolutely. I think you really nailed it with your um, description of it. You know, I, I think they really did such a great job. And the other 
one thing that I want to mention is the really huge effort that Bungie is putting on supporting the community and not just, you know, their product. And in a way, their community becomes their marketing in a sense, right? But the amount of effort they put on to featuring other content creators, big and small, I think Mm -hmm. that it really is a testament to the effort that they put to really support the entire community because I don't know too many games that do that. Um, I feel like people actually realize just how like much they listen and how much they're actually like just because they're not implementing what you want into the game because you posted it in a tweet doesn't mean they're not they don't see what you're saying it's just I mean if they literally sat down and took time to reply to literally everything and every post that tagged them they wouldn't be able to work on the game there's just too many responses needed so they, you know, a lot of the, I mean, those people are all at the end of the day, only one person individually, so they can only do so much. Um, and I think people forget that human beings are working on this game and they, even down to if you order an Uber in your city, like if you get in the car, a lot of people will get in the, get on the phone and not even act like someone's driving them. Um The decency of the fact that a human being is on the other end of that service that you're trying to partake in um i just feel like that's lost in a lot of what people do nowadays and a lot of people just treat the game devs like they're robots working on a game like they don't have feelings and so they just say whatever they want you know and you know if it were me if i were a gaming company why would i want to cater to the negativity like that i wouldn't want to um so for bungie to be as open arms with things the way that they are how they are um, is mind blowing to me because it that takes really really thick skin to do that, um, and they do catch a lot of fire from I think unnecessary sources um, and to unnecessary levels. Even um, I just think people at the end of the day forget people are working on the game. You really brought up a really interesting point that is so so important in the community, and that's to treat people like they're human beings, not like they're machines, right? There they're, are real people who are trying to give you the very best game that you can get. And I think their community team gets a lot of heat, sometimes a bit much, right? And we saw this happen, I think a few months back, where, you know, some threats happened and... Bungie really had to step back in terms of how much we're getting in terms of just openness with with content. If you'll notice in their twabs, they no longer use specific names when they write articles about specific topics. They usually say the Bungie dev team instead of, you know, saying Joe Blackburn or whoever was communicating the message. It becomes a less human interaction because of that and they're going to be less open about the different things they're going to be doing with the game because of that thing that i've worked on trying to um preach but also practice you know what i preach is we were always taught in school the golden rule of treating others how you want to be treated um but in the end it's it's never that it it's there you should go above that to the platinum rule 
of treating others how they want to be treated. No one ever stops and asks how they're feeling or what they want. Um, you you have to have a fair balance of both because at the end of the day, you can never make someone else happy unless you yourself are truly happy with you know yourself because your your inward thinking and the way you feel about yourself reflects in everything you do. So with these people constantly under attack all the time, trying to work on this game and give us something that they love and that we love. I mean, I just feel like a lot of people are more worried about what they can get out of the game as opposed to asking about how they feel about the game. Um, I don't think enough of those questions are asked. And I feel like the platinum rule is something that not only in the destiny community, but just entirely as a whole, people need to work on treating people the way they want to be treated as opposed to how, you yourself want to be treated because everyone's different a lot of the things that we get in the game reflect on the decisions that we make as gamers and if we treat people poorly the community isn't going to be as able to communicate with us on, well, and on it, it does reflect in like a direct example I, i'll use trials as an example i um, mean i say this all the time um they were not ready to give us trials and we see how the conversations around that went. Um, there were lots of threats and lots of um, backlash when they were talking about, we want to bring trials, but it's just we don't have it in a place we're comfortable with yet. And finally, the threats just got so bad. Bungie was finally like, here's, here's trials. We told you it's half-baked and it's not ready. We warned you, but you guys want it so bad. Well, here it is. And they gave us trials. And look at the conversation that surrounded trials ever since, and PvP for that matter. They warned us against these things, but because you just kept pushing, we kept poking and prodding that button, that's what we got. And that's, I feel like, also what happens in gaming, like Cyberpunk is a perfect gaming example, is that game was never truly ready to be put out until they said it was ready. And they were very open and honest. Every time there was a pushback or a rescheduling, they would say, hey, we're going to push this back. We just don't feel comfortable with where it's at yet. We hope you understand. And of course, people don't because they want that instant gratification of I want this now instead of, you know, waiting for a more polished product. Let's just bully until we get it now. And and then people are mad when the content comes out and it's not good, even though they warned us it wasn't going to be, you know? It, it also begs to question how much of a reliance should there be on listening to what the community wants versus looking at the data and making right. decisions that, serve the company in the long term rather than making decisions on the whim of what somebody may feel like at this specific time or a lot of times like people think they want one thing but they actually may not want it after once they, they get, get it, it they're like that's actually not what i was thinking this was going to be so morgan you know we have a tradition on the show where we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls, but we don't have a weekly update tonight. So I thought about doing something a little bit different. Okay. You obviously had a chance to experience the showcase. Mm -hmm. How would you experience, how would you rate, excuse me, this showcase between one and five spicy tuna rolls? One being, eh, it was kind of not that great. Five being, best showcase ever hmm. i would say 
I am a very fair rater, so I'm going to give it probably a four, four and a half, maybe, because there's always room for improvements and always other things we hope to hear about. Um, and of course, me being a PvP player, I feel like every time there's a showcase, it's never really mentioned. PvP doesn't get talked about. So that, to me, will always be a downfall because, yes, there are talks about PvP, but it seems like all of the PvP discussion is held on Twitter. Or, or social platforms um but you never really hear about it much in the showcases and maybe it could be because at that time they don't know what the new content is um they don't know how it's exactly going to weigh into the current content or the upcoming content um so maybe they can't properly gauge that but i do wish um in the showcases um, that there would at least be mentions of like the PvP side of the game for the people that do um, play more for that. And I would say for me, I would probably have to give it a 4.5. Okay, so similar. I'm, I'm right with you on, on that mm -hmm. because I feel like for me, they really did a lot of things well in terms of giving the community so much recognition and spotlight mm -hmm. um i do think that there are certain things that i'm sure for you as a pvp player you would want more of as well mm -hmm. and that's better communication with what's coming next with pvp and what clear focus is being put into pvp because they did kind of lose sight right mm -hmm. so that's one thing that i wish we really got the other thing that I really wish was better addressed was the leveling system. Because, I mean, I think that it's starting to show its age with how yes. you level your character. Mm -hmm. And I really think there can be a better system out there for how we progress, how we play the game. And maybe that's something that we won't see until final shape or maybe even after that maybe this even, is just even something as small as like the blue loot like i mean i feel like once you hit a certain level cap instead of making us dismantle the items because they know we're not going to be using those blue items anymore at some point just give us the glimmer or just give us the materials for it instead of wasting the um the loot space in your inventory just giving you things you know you're going to dismantle um, just small little things like that even could help. Yeah, no, absolutely. We had so many great conversations. Now, Morgan, I know in the beginning, you were a little bit nervous. Yes. How do you feel now? A little better, a little better. Yeah, uh, I would I would rate the experience of, of feeling better. Uh, that is five tuna rolls. Love it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So many great conversations tonight, Morgan. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm so excited that we got to finally get together yeah. and do this. It was a lot of really so cool things fun. we talked about. And before we let you go, where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do in the Destiny community? You can always find me over on my lovely Twitch channel. Um, I post all of my live notifications either in my Discord, which I do have a Linktree link on my Twitter account that has all of my socials that are centralized. Um, that way you can find me on all of my platforms. Um, one day I'm hoping to get my Twitter handle to match my uh, online name. 
My Twitter handle has an extra Y until that happens, until the two plus year inactive account gets rid of it. Um, otherwise, you will always find me um, on Twitter. That's usually where all of my um, discussions of when I'm streaming or what my plans are for the week. And we're going to make sure to include your details in the show notes for this episode uh, with all of your links and guardians. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on the Destiny Show podcast. We had so much fun tonight. And Guardians, yes. we are just getting started. Thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. You can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, and every major platform. You can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us on the Twitters at The Destiny Show. And we are working on putting together an Instagram that is halfway respectable. So TBD on that. And Guardians, thank you for joining us tonight on The Destiny Show podcast. You can find us right here every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show. And go show some love to Green Man Gaming and give them a little thanks for supporting the show. And you can pick up your copy of Destiny 2 Lightfall and save by checking out Green Man Gaming. We hope you get a chance to save a little bread on your next big expansion in Destiny. Yes, we would love to have all of the new Guardians. And Guardians, thank you for joining us, and we will see you at our side. See you guys. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.